welcome back to Crime Scene Queens. I'm Shelly, your legal beagle. And I'm Laura, your friendly crime scene investigator. And this week we are really excited because we have the privilege of having Payne Lindsay on the show. If you don't know who Payne Lindsay is. Oh my God, oh my God, go ahead. <laughs> and if you don't know who Payne is. That was excitement. I know, I love it. He hosts a podcast that has absolutely blown up in the past few years called Up and Vanished. It's really, really awesome because he goes into and explores all of these cases about women in particular that just disappeared off the face of the planet. This was even turned into a television show on Oxygen, and he has shown up on lots of other podcasts. And it is so exciting, all the different stories that he tells and how he goes into depth on so many different things. It's absolutely amazing. If uh, you haven't checked out his podcast, for sure check it out. Hey, guys. I'm excited to have you on because as I spent some time digging through Up and Vanished, there are a lot of really great stories that you address, but there are two major cases that you tap into. And the first one is on a disappearance from Georgia. And I'll actually, do you want to summarize that or do you want me to do it to prove I listened? (laughs) Um, So there's three seasons. The first season came out in 2016 and it was the first podcast I have ever made. And I decided to make my own investigative podcast about a missing person from South Georgia. Uh, Her name is Tara Grinstead. She was a high school teacher down there. And I just started poking around in this cold case. And six months later, there was a huge break in the case and they made two arrests. And it's been kicking around the courts for years. And just actually this May, they finally took it to trial and they found him not guilty. Um, I I listened to that. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Long time coming. And then season two was about uh, Crystal Reisinger, who is from Crestone, Colorado. And season three is about Ashley Loring Heavy Runner from uh, Browning, Montana, um, the Indian reservation there. Yes, I've it's actually read some recent demographics on that, that they're a lot more at risk than um, maybe would be publicized. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%, which I think is kind of one of the things that I find appealing about Up and Vanished, uh, particularly with uh, Crystal. There is some unknown reason to me why I connected with her story in particular. I was very fascinated with the journey that you took us through, and the way that you interviewed her friends, relatives, the people that were in her life, they painted this picture of this person that was intriguing. And particularly, I don't know if it's because I now have made people that are daughters, just like Crystal was a mother. I don't know if that's why I connected with her on a deeper level, which by the way, Payne has set up a fund for this uh, missing or possibly deceased woman's child. Uh, Was it uh, forkasha.com? Am I correct? I think I have to double check, but I think Okay, we'll put it in the show notes then. Yeah, Uh, there's a GoFundMe that that goes to um, her family and Mm -hmm. just any... Any yeah. little bit goes a long way. So, yeah, beautiful videos of her engaging with her child on that page. Um, I visited it myself and clicked around. But she, I guess it was her spiritual nature. And like the thing that's great and sad about Tara is there is a little bit of a conclusion to that story, right? We know about Bo mm-hmm. and Ryan, Duke and Dukes. I can't ever remember which last name goes with yeah. which person. <laughs> 
Bo Dukes and Ryan Duke, um, and mm-hmm. whether or not there was a not guilty charge, there's kind of a wrapping up. But for Crystal, we are open ended, open, which is so sad on so many levels. And I know that one of the gripes that I had as a crime scene investigator, um, for your awareness, Payne, I worked for two different cities here in South Florida. The first one has a lot of money. Okay. And the second one does not and is largely comprised of diverse uh, minorities. I don't typically like to use that word, but I can't really pull anything right now that's more appropriate. But the population is like less than 4% white. Let's just say that. And I had in the first city four homicides a year, widely covered by the media. And in the second uh, city, I had two homicides a week. And in the time that I worked there, I think maybe a couple were in the media. So it really does bother me when we put value on human life in that way. And so I couldn't help but reflect on that when I was listening to Crystal's story. Like, what is it about her that Mm -hmm. didn't matter to them? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely how I connected with her, too. Um, And it, it kind of blew my mind because, I mean... People, there's so many kinds of people in the world. And I remember like when I first put out a couple episodes of season two, a small minority of people, but enough that they were being loud for a moment, uh, were complaining about, you know, her drug use or, or something like that. And like kind of just basically just casting judgment on her. Mm-hmm. And it just blew my mind. Like, okay, who are all these boring ass people who have never... <laughs> Like, who are you? Like, and why are we even yeah. sizing up a victim in that way? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, so like victim it just shaming. empowered us to go extra hard on I, her story and like, you know, including her daughter and like, you know, she's yeah. five years older now and she's going to, I mean, there'll be a day where she's like a young adult and she's, you know, we'll I'll have a completely different conversation with her, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that I hate that shit. <laughs> um, yes. So I kind of want to jump in and, and you know, uh, mirror, I guess, you know, what Laura was saying a little bit. So, you know, growing up in Colorado, I grew up um, north of Denver and I know she was from Denver and then relocated. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I I kind of. I don't know, I, I, I guess I kind of feel like a little connected to her as well, you know, like our. We have some similarities within our names and she was missing like on my birthday. So it's just like it. Yeah. And, you know, like the similarities in looks and stuff and just a lot of different things that that it it just really it hit me hard. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. And I mean, I've been to the breast, uh, the Crestone Brewing Company and. Oh, have you really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's, you know, tiny little tiny little town. Mm -hmm. And but it's a great place. You know, I love Colorado. I really, I was really intrigued by this podcast. You know, I, I pulled definitely at your heartstrings. Yes. Yeah, it it kind of did. Like it, it was weird because you know I listened to the Tara Grinstead and I was just like, all right, you know, this is evidentiary. This is, you know, this is really yeah. cool. I'm I'm interested to hear the entire story. And then as soon as I heard about Crystal, it it kind of set me back. And it was, I took it a little more personal. Mm-hmm. So it was a little. It it was different. It was different in you know just the the just the two of them. You know, I couldn't necessarily look at her at crystals in the forensic way that I looked at Tara's. It, I completely it just agree. It was more personal. I'm actually glad reason. that you felt that connection because that's, to me, that's equally as important. I mean, obviously, we're setting out to figure out what happened 
but you know i i can't arrest anybody you know i can take it as far as it goes and and then it's kind of like we need to find something new right it doesn't mean that we yeah. stop tr looking for it but what i can do is you know create a respectful connection just that embodies who she is who she was yes. that yeah. can have a, a a huge impact on other people in a positive way and i, I feel like that's something that her family really wanted and, you know, is a silver lining in a way of being like the subject of a dark story, mostly, you know, because something bad happened and the person responsible is, you know, still not apprehended. And yeah, there's sucks. an ominous that's nature horrible. to that. Yeah. And I actually want to circle. I uh, appreciate Shelly's point because I also noticed the difference in Tara and Crystal's story is that in Tara's story, we actually had a potential crime scene and maybe some evidence like where mm -hmm. with her home. But mm -hmm. for Crystal, there's nothing. We don't even exactly know where she disappeared from. There was a lot of mystery around whether or not she was at this drum circle. Mm -hmm. Scientifically speaking, I can't like that's why I feel confused about why I connected with that more because uh, my my science brain kind of wanted to do what Shelley did, which is look at the evidence and look at all of these different factors. And that's usually how the algorithm of our brain as investigators sure, works. Yeah. But there was something about Crystal that like I re-listened to quite a few things, which just to squirrel to I listened to your interview with Catfish. That was the most ridiculous conversation. And God bless you for just letting him spout off at the mouth and giving him enough rope to hang himself. That was like a dark yeah. part of my life talking to that guy. I actually yeah. remember when it was a series of calls, but there was one that lasted for like you could tell. six hours or something. And it was it happened from like 11 p.m. to like 5 a.m. And I was in this hotel room by myself in California. I was about to go work on the Monster Zodiac podcast with iHeart. And mm -hmm. I was exhausted. And I was like, God, I, this guy is just driving me crazy. But I just can't stop, like, keeping him on the phone. And I'm like, I need, I'm going to have to go <laughs> yes, back and listen like to this car accident. the next day <laughs> and see what he really said. But the dude's yeah. fucking crazy. Like, I mean, really, like, he's... And he he's, he's crazy in the sense of like he's fried his mind with drugs, mm -hmm. <laughs> not some mental illness. The guy is just no. a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. I mean, two things that I took away from that conversation was your emotional intelligence and kind of just I know you said it was difficult for you. Good mm -hmm. job, because it didn't really come through. Like you could tell that you were frustrated, but you did a really great job of just like let him go. Yeah. Like spout off at the mouth. And the other thing I took away from it is the fact that he contradicted himself like seven or eight times. Oh, yeah. In that conversation. So you can tell that like the flow of dialogue in that brain is like Gollum. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> just stream of consciousness just flowing out and it makes no sense. And he's super reactionary to this and that. And he's Any. like back to being yes. hippie love. And it's yeah. just super weird and bizarre and it's just maddening to yeah. try to uh, get some piece of real information out of this guy yeah so in my experience dealing with people 
in my that are suspects. Let's mm-hmm. just articulate it that way. Sure. There's a spectrum of that that exists amongst them all. And what's interesting is in my experience, being like that is not even a sign of lack of intelligence. The ability for people that are so disoriented or brain damaged from the use of drugs, they they do have an ability to calculate and it's almost like cunning. Yeah. And so I did hear that in his voice that he oh, had the stupid. ability to yeah, anticipate, he's definitely right? Pretty I mean he's he's definitely not stupid. You know, there's No, a, he's not. No. I think that there once was a more intelligent brain cell in there. But um mm-hmm. yeah, but I think that worked to his advantage because you know, he, he was hanging out with people who didn't have jobs and he was the guy with money trust fund baby and he was cunning enough to like get whatever he wanted and he like acted like this king out there in Crestone and so he he, he sure was did. manipulative with his own intelligence but met with someone who hasn't fried their brain yet who is arguably smarter which is everyone everyone um yeah. then he's met his match and you can see him kind of like tuck his tail and you know react like you know almost violently or you know get super mad out of nowhere like oh you know what else is going on in that brain of yours like is this how right. you act yeah. sometimes you know like what else are you I don't capable have of health training but i almost felt like his fluctuations in that way was a game that he was playing with you like it almost seemed oh, intentional totally. right like yeah. it was a manipulation yeah. tactic yeah, yeah. Like Shelly Shelly sees to the these intelligence, people in yeah. court all the time. So she, my uh, my legal beagle over here, she's used to seeing people adjust themselves while they are on the stand and such. So Shelly has some great they insight, particularly into Ryan. That conversation stood out, and I think just uh, the nature of like how people described Crystal as an intuitive. I have kind of a duality to myself as well. I'm a crime scene investigator and yoga teacher because those two things go together, right? Hey, that's a <laughs> that's a nice mix. I know. <laughs> I always talents. say that I'm in I'm in sacred service and civil service. <laughs> oh, there you someone go. Someone right like now that. is is doing yoga and listening to this and saying, "Hey, me too." You know? <laughs> hey, me oh, too. I know. Yeah, there's somebody out there that says. Banana sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> pretzel, pretzel twisted banana sandwich. So I do want to ask you because I was I've always been interested about how somebody can like exist in their life, right? Like and they have this path and then something happens and it triggers a curiosity for like Tara. And you said that you just stumbled. You you kind of paint the picture that you stumbled into podcasting about Tara. So -hmm. do you remember like what like how you heard about her, like how you created a, I mean, I don't want to say fascination in like a malicious way, but like a healthy fascination with like wanting to dive into this. Do you remember the path that you took and can you tell us about it? Yeah. I mean, it was a culmination of a a lot of things. I just, I had made the decision that I wanted to make my own true crime documentary. That, that was the general idea in my head. And that just came from my own curiosity over the years of watching forensic files or unsolved mysteries and just mm-hmm. kind of uh, being drawn to the mystery of it all. And it wasn't until, you know, I was late 20s that I, I had the 
idea of maybe I should be the one who tries to figure it out because I was seeing other documentarians and stuff doing that. And yeah. I was like, I mean, did they just decide that they that they want to do that? And I'm like, could I do that? Do I have what it takes to do that? I'm like, I, I don't know, but I'm going to try. And then it quickly became a, a podcast. And the goal was actually to make a podcast first just to do a TV show. I didn't even think that back then podcasting would even be a business, but that was just generally what it came from is my own curiosity about unsolved mysteries and you know the mystery of just yeah. humans in general yeah unsolved I, mysteries is you know i used to watch that when i was a kid oh yeah oh my gosh yeah like that's where that was like came when you, from yes and you like, when you got to stay home from school oh yeah you watched unsolved mysteries and i remember in in clearwater uh where i'm from my stay at home from school was price is right Unsolved PIR. Mysteries and res and Rescue Nine One One was a show nice. back then. That's because nice. you're you're younger than I am. So like my my when I stayed home from school, I used to watch Gidget and the Monkeys because those were like amazing TV shows back you're then. You're so funny. <laughs> but Price is Right always, and then Law and Order. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we're cougars. How old are you, Payne? I'm. How old do you think I am? No. We're not doing oh, that. Oh, fine. I you, I know uh, I know no. how old you are. You guess. I, right. I know how old you are. You do? Yeah. You Google him or something. So I'm the guesser. She's on okay. my Wikipedia right well, you, now. Okay. Well, you don't I, look your age, Payne. Okay, you are. I'll take yeah, because that. that's what I was gonna say. You're baby faced in a good way. Uh, but you did mention something about in my twenties, which somewhat implies that you're now in your thirties, mm -hmm. and you don't have any outstanding markers of age so congratulations for using sunscreen and moisturizing <laughs> let's just be con like split the difference because there's no way you're 40 let's just say 35 very, it. very good guess i'm 34 turning 35 gonna be in november in, i guess shit two months yeah damn it well own let it. me make this i'm damn near 40 dude i'm gonna turn 38 i think in november so you just stop caring after 31 you're like okay now care. i'm just in my 30s and you can say yeah. that and then everyone else is yeah. like in their 40s like well, wait till you get to your 40s or wait till you get to your 50s it's like okay well you know i'm still gonna gripe about the one that i'm in yeah <laughs> so, yeah but yeah i'm not afraid um, to age my mom cares? is super yeah, hot so i'm like, not worried whatever. about it right? yeah yeah my, my grandpa lived to be 35 days shy of his 103rd birthday and oh, he amazing. still looked amazing. So yeah, I'm in my 40s and you know, welcome to 40s. Yeah, my grandma is 94 right. and she is an absolute ox. She's looked the same my entire life. For 34 years, she's looked the same. And I'm That's not so even bad. exaggerating. It's bizarre. Yeah. So hopefully I get those genes. We'll yeah. See. I wow. knew we had to be close because you have to be in my generation to do the bleach blonde spiky hair. Oh, yeah, the oh NSYNC have and the, to. the Backstreet Boys. You guys yeah. are funny. But since we're on, like, personal stuff, so Payne, great name. Yeah. Oh, great name. Well, thank so, my mom. It's, a, it's celebrity name. name. Right? No, like, I love it. Like, I, I want, like, a unique name. I want, mm -hmm. you know, I want to be something other than, like, blonde hair, blue-eyed, like, pale skin, you know? Like, give me something. Like, I just want something unique. And I, I just, obviously, I can't change it. So, you know, whatever. Most of my but, life, my name was not cool. You know, Dude, pain? are you kidding me? I'd be like walking in and like bring in the pain. How could you make fun of pain, I mean, Lindsay? Just, That's such a cool name. It's too easy to make fun of, right? No, it's and, not. And like, it's so rad. It totally is. Yeah. Not every you can't say like pain in the ass or whatever. It's 
it's a it's an easy low hanging fruit for for kids for the unintelligent. It was, um, yeah, it I went to it wasn't high cool school until it just I don't know until I, I became an adult and I wasn't named you know John or something or <laughs> Chad. Like okay, so to that point, so no I have to say to like for I I would totally be like bring in the pain. You're like bring on the pain. Like yeah, I would I would make my name like that would be so rad. The thing is, um, like, people forget that you know it's been my name my whole life, so. There isn't yeah. a single thing you could say that I have not heard, right? Yeah, like just I like can imagine. The, statistically, I've had to have heard all of them because there's only so many there could be. Yeah, right. that's true. <laughs> that's true. So like you're like the, the, the Facebook, ain't no one going to mix you up for someone else because of your name. There actually yeah. is. Uh, there's another one funny. of you? There are. Okay, there's one other pain, Lindsay. One. No. But there's like oh, that poor five guy. pains. <laughs> on Instagram and like this guy made a like Instagram like chat of like all the pains on Instagram. Yeah. And there's like five of them. That's hilarious. And one of them's name is Pain Lindsay. And like he actually one. kind of looks like me a little bit. And he's like 17 or something. That's interesting. Yeah. It's called well, No you know Pains, the... No Gains is the name of our group chat. <laughs> nothing cool happens in there, but it's kind of funny. It's called what is it? Some guy named it No Pains, No Gains. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, I'm rolling with it. <laughs> well, did you do you know the etiology of your name? Like, why did your parents pick that? Um, it's my mom's maiden name. So her name. Oh, okay. Her name is Star, and her last name was Payne growing up. That's a cool name, too. That is so rad. Well, I love the story of like how you kind of stumbled into this because, you know, I, re I know uh, throughout my time in law enforcement, we have, depending on the profile, like the high profileness of the cases that we're working on, and I've done a little bit of cold case consulting where the case was particularly affluent in the media, mm -hmm. we do get people kind of in the community that are not law enforcement based dipping their toes in, whether if they've been consulted or recruited by the family or they're just find it interesting as you did. And I would never say that that in a way had interfered with an investigation in my experience, mm -hmm. but I have experienced like where it kind of created a tension where we like needed time to action things. And the only reason why I bring this up is it's not an unusual theme when somebody has an unsolved violent act, homicide or whatever, with a family member or friend where they are dissatisfied with the service that they're receiving from law enforcement. Very and true. I did hear yeah. that echoed at times through the podcast. And I have a huge amount of empathy for that because I do understand that these people are in pain and we might not be conducting investigations on the cadence that they would like mm -hmm. or the methodology that they would like. And they, for a myriad of reasons, have a distrust in the system. So do you feel like when you were going through this experience with Tara and Crystal, because I know you did in interview the law enforcement community at times, mm -hmm. did you ever think that that was more of an emotional reaction or actually grounded in fact that there was missing holes? In investigations. In which sense? Like in their investigations? Yeah. I think it is a mixed bag. I think that there's, you know, there's incompetence in mm -hmm. every single field in right. the world. And so sometimes it is that. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just a puzzling mystery, like genuinely. Yeah. And like they they don't know. You know. Yeah. They don't know and there's nowhere really to go 
immediately next. There's no like action step yeah. that's right in front of them. And they maybe don't have tons of detectives who are scouring through cold case files. And so I, I always understood that and sympathized with that. But my biggest gripe was always, well, then give me the case files because, you know, I'm willing to do the work. Yeah. But there's a, you know, there's a, and I get that sometimes you can't jeopardize the investigation. But yeah. I'm kind of on the side of you can't jeopardize an investigation that isn't being conducted. <laughs> it's like, yeah, any new information is good. Who cares if yeah. we let that Agreed. out? What what were your plans yeah. with that again, anyways? And they're like, oh, and that that's why my whole thing with the GBI and terrorist case. It, it it seemed and felt like to me that my involvement kind of kickstarted them a little bit. I'm sure they would say that's not true, but it, at least well, that's it what I mean by the way, media attention. Right? That's like yeah. that's that was like yeah. that was exactly what I meant because in ways this is good because now mm -hmm. you're breathing new life into this case. You know, if I if I could interject a little bit too, so on that note you know, there are things that are confidential that, you know, if if we say, you know, if someone says, hey, hand over, you know, your case file, well, there's stuff that yeah. we're not going to give you. You know, there's attorney-client confidentiality, there's privileges, there's all different kinds of things. So even if you, if they say, fine, you take it over, then you have to understand it's just like at trial. You're not getting the entire story. You're not getting every single thing, you know, because in trial, there's certain evidence that can't be showed or that isn't showed to the jury. So, you know, you're never getting the entire story unless you're in it and you're on that, you know, that back end. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's even sometimes where there's certain people in the office that have different clearances and so they can access different information mm -hmm. more so than, you know, other yeah. people can. And, you know, I'm talking about law enforcement, I'm talking about the legal field, you know, all these different things. And so, you know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, when there are cold cases, and someone says, okay, I'm going to pick this up and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try for it. Well, there's also some people keep their own notes that maybe they interviewed someone and they're in their desk. So they're not in the case file. And if you get an electronic case file, not everything was scanned, you know, in older cases. I mean, this is especially the case for, you know, older cases. So it's a little difficult and it's a little different than, I, I think, I think it makes it actually harder. Yeah, I mean, there's like a million different, you know, circumstances for each particular case. But my biggest gripe is, let's just say any 15-year-old cold case, just the blanket response of, uh, we can't give you anything. It's an active investigation. At what point is it actually not active? Because if it was active, then we would be seeing that you're doing something. And you're yeah. just clearly not. No offense, but... At what yeah. point do you say, I don't know, guys, anyone else got something? Yeah. So, and I, I mean, think you know, the, just yes. the stubborn sort of, I don't know, uh, attitude That's, of yeah. some agencies, they're, they're missing out. If they actually care about solving it, there's, there's value in sometimes, you know, revealing certain things to the right people. I'm Correct. not saying that I'm that guy. I'm just saying that why are you hoarding something? That you're not yeah. even working on and active, you know. I, I think it, it becomes inactive when there when the statute of limitations runs. Unfortunately, murder or homicide. There's not one. Yeah, there isn't there's one. Not one. So, the missing or, person. Yeah. There is no murder yet. So it's just yeah. A, so that, a, that, an, yeah, a, homicide, a never yeah. ending thing. Yeah. Does Crystal have a death certificate? I, I'm not sure if they did that officially yet. Because that's when things will start to open up. Because to Shelley's point, 
I and they're handling it way better. Seeing... The CBI is actually handling that. I mean, the the agent that I yeah. talked to the most, like they they ran down a bunch of leads that like we didn't talk about and like checked some and we he actually met with him and he took like we agreed that we would exchange information just and I just wouldn't put it in the podcast. And he was he of got course. it right. He wasn't trying to jeopardize that was anything. But I'm like, right. I need to know. I'm not here doing this. So any sort of way you can shape it for me would help me potentially generate anything at all for you. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, sometimes too, uh, you know, this is another huge thing. So let's say that, you know, they're interviewing witnesses, they're interviewing suspects. Well, Mm -hmm. you're not going to ask the same questions and get the same information. And so that poses a huge problem as well, because, you know, it's a, it could potentially be a cold case because there's someone that, you know, they don't want to get in trouble. So they're just going to answer the questions asked to them and they're not going to elaborate on anything And that's a huge issue. So one of the things that I feel, you know, when I watch cold cases that, you know, have, have, have rejuvenated, you know, it's the newer, the, uh, you know, someone else came into the office and so they're going to revisit this. Well, then they go back and they re-interview people and they're asking different questions. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they've looked at necessarily, you know, not necessarily because they've looked at different evidence or they have something new. It's just a different way to ask a question to elicit a different response. And I think that, you know, you don't even have to look at any further evidence. You can just look at something and look at an interview and just look at the questions that were asked and think of other questions to ask. And you potentially could get a whole new set of you know information and maybe that could help solve a, a cold case. I mean, if I'm on the line with a you know prime person of interest or suspect in a potential murder case, then having uh, certain intel about that particular individual or whatever it is can help arm me to create something good out of this. And one example of that is in season two, with Crystal's case, uh, the main, one of the main suspects, persons of interest, Catfish, he had, he had always claimed that uh, his she buddy Brian had uh, messaged him that he killed Crystal. And he said he had this like Facebook message and had the IP address and had like, had like a legitimate, thing from Facebook and I talked to the CBI about this and like he was telling me that like Catfish was telling me basically that I can't release that to you they, they won't let me and so I asked him he's yeah. like, is that true he's like no that's not true and so yeah. I met with Catfish in person actually the one time that I did and oh, I, how was I brought that, that up <laughs> oh it, it ended very badly <laughs> I, and it's all on camera too. It was in the Up and Vanished TV Where is series. that? Oh, it was. Yeah, it's uh, it was bad. You have to pay for it on Amazon. I, but was I, this? It, this was before was, he was arrested. It was bad, <laughs> but like he he mentioned the Facebook thing again, and he's like, "No, CBR said I can't, you know, do that." And I said, "Really?" And then, so I just called the guy right then, and I told him that like <laughs> I was gonna meet with him, and he was like, "Hello, Payne," and I was like, "Hey, I'm here with Catfish." Uh, he says that you can't release that file. Is that true? He's like, oh, no, I never said that. I go, okay, cool. All right, take care. But okay. like, I need to build So a, 100%, I, had to know I love that information flex. to be able to even do that, right? And wow. so, and I feel like part of what I do sometimes is, I mean, I can't arrest the guy, but the family wants to know, like, but, it, but did this guy do something? Like, I don't know. You look at him and tell me, right? He's talking a lot. And it might at least feel a little bit better knowing that like, okay, I think that I think it's I think whatever happens over here in this corner, right? 
it's not like we're completely lost here. But yeah, he basically tried to punch me, and uh, his mm. turns out his yeah. his dad was nearby, and uh, it was he's beating on my car, spit on my car. It was ridiculous. It was like some Jerry Springer shit. I was like, what are we doing here, man? <laughs> um, also, I was so is... fed up at that point too. I was like. Fuck yeah. you, man. I was like, I, didn't I have to tell you that his lack of self control to be able to lose it with you like that on camera yeah. is the only word that comes to my mind is impressive. Your lack of self awareness is impressive. We, well, um, yeah. well, and had he been you drinking? Know, uh, presumably. We both ordered a drink, but okay. I think he had been drinking. Literally, uh -huh. I was sitting across from him on this patio. And he reaches over the table and grabs a uh, sugar packet and he opens it up and he pours it in his mouth. Like a child. He's a yeah. method. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and he was just a gremlin. I'm like, wow. Like, it almost was like, man, like if, if he knows what happened, it's like, you're never going to get it out of this Joker character. Right. And yeah. he just, He's too, yeah. like, just not there anymore. There's a disconnect. Yeah, I mean, I definitely found all of his social media. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I think, again, if you are a girl growing up when we did, you learned how to do deep dives uh, very, very young. Uh, we were trained Good on MySpace you. and AIM and AIM. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I oh, found yeah. all of his stuff. <laughs> I even found a bunch of things about him that I think are, like, it seemed like fan fiction. Like somebody has gone online and generated an entire story about her death that I think was just somebody kind of trying to get clicks. But mm -hmm. he is uh, he is definitely a character that seems to be created. I like your statement about how information could arm you. And you provided a really good example of when this goes well. Right. So I do feel the need to kind of speak on behalf of the law enforcement community on mm -hmm. that. We all have a series of environmental factors that have contributed to the way that we think protect ourselves, process information. Totally. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you've spent any amount of time in the law enforcement industry, it becomes second nature to distrust literally everybody. Oh yeah, and I get it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. And I don't think you earned like, Trust me. this. <laughs> yeah, you've earned this person's trust, and that's why he was so open with you about things because there mm -hmm. was something about you, whether it was how you articulated yourself or his instincts, that allowed that to happen. So when you hear people that are investigative journalists, such as yourself, mm -hmm. um, be frustrated with this. It's not personal. It's the way that we are trained to operate because to Shelly's point, mm -hmm. there are times, Payne, where I've had a case and I was asked to keep my evidence private from the rest of the crime scene unit. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the rest of my unit that I work with every single day wow, and have yeah. full in trust in. Yep. So it's not always as... Like, it seems like we're holding this secret because we don't because out of ego, we don't want to share it and we don't want to expose our deficiencies and we don't want the world to see how we have failed and we want to do it ourselves. And I'm not going to say that that globally isn't true because mm -hmm. there's ego in literally everything. Yeah. But they're not going to do that mm -hmm. for multiple reasons, some which are legal, as Shelly got into. 
And each agency and each jurisdiction and each local region is going to have different guidelines on that. Like in Florida, because of what happened with Dale, I mean, we've addressed on another episode, the Dale Earnhardt law. Well, up until Dale Earnhardt's autopsy, we were freely allowed to exchange autopsy photos for investigative purposes. That no longer is a thing. So things are so different that I think it can appear to somebody from the outside Mm -hmm. that's floating around that agencies are being stubborn or difficult to work with. And really, it's just their SOP. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you that if there's no life in something, that we need to get it breathing again. But we can't ruin the case at the same time by releasing information that could jeopardize a future conviction mm-hmm. or a court process, as Shelley is saying, yeah. um, we've seen that happen. We've seen yeah, information it, get released yeah, and it was yeah. a and default. It, it, and it, it can you know? be bad, right? Yeah. 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 So it's not that you guys aren't appreciated. It's that there is always an individual process and it's frustrating for people sometimes to get a folder such as this guy shared with you mm-hmm. and information to arm you to help you assist us in undertaking these endeavors. But in some places, it's just not available for us. And the frustration might be mutual, but you're just not allowed to hear about it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like, I would imagine that 30 years ago in any given police precinct, there mm-hmm. wasn't even computers, right? And nope. so like everything is changing and evolving. So I just feel like just as people should, these agencies should evolve too. Like there's a there's a way of, I mean, is if the goal is to solve something, then Preach. old protocol <laughs> needs to be kind of, I don't know, re-examined. Like, and I'm not saying that I'm the answer or that there's something that I shouldn't know. Yeah, of course. But there are a lot of times where you guys aren't doing anything. I can't prove that, but I definitely yeah. know that. Well, <laughs> in forensics, we don't have a problem with change. Right? Yeah, in <laughs> forensics, we're used to our science evolving literally every day. So change is sure, part of yeah. how it goes. Like, right. but You're then learning, I, right? Yeah. yeah, right. But, but then there's the, we, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't Very fix true. it. But to your point, we as forensic practitioners change, but we are not typically in an empowered position. I know that when I got hired in 2010 in crime scene, that there was a local agency that's captain insisted that they take their crime scene photos with film. (laughs) Film. Really? (laughs) Insisted upon it. So the girls because that, that unit was all female, would have two cameras around their neck and they literally had to do that way like he a has to scan them into his computer later. <laughs> he wanted them like developed at like Walgreens. It was so ridiculous. And they had fought it and fought it and fought it. And I think like now it's no longer like that. But can you imagine like where's the confidentiality in that? <laughs> I, I don't think it was Walgreens, actually Walgreens. Uh, I'm just, I'm being, ready. I'm being funny. It might be, maybe they processed them themselves. I don't remember, but people are not always empowered to evolve. And sometimes mm-hmm. that goes from the chain of command to the city commission to state or right. local governances. Yeah. It's so, sense. it's an uphill battle. And I think that there's a misconception that we like things to be stagnant or that we're comfortable or that we're embarrassed that things haven't moved along. And it's difficult for families and 
people that want to help when they're like, well, why won't you let me help? I can't let you help. And I have, right. and I can't say that to you. Yeah. So I no, just yeah, kind of wanted a, to a, circle to that. It's a dilemma. I mean, yeah. And there's no immediate solution for it, but I, I no. just think that, you know, it, talking about it at all and being aware, I think just slowly shapes it, it, it down the road. Yeah. Look at Tara's case. I mean, mm -hmm. you've breathed new life into two people. And I mean, which you said three, which I'm sorry, I didn't have an awareness of the third oh, you're fine. Uh, one. Um, but, you know, it's funny because I listened to Ryan Duke's trial uh, episodes, or a few of them, and I remember thinking, oh, no, this is not going how I would hope evidentiarily wise, uh, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's. I always say um, that the harsh reality of what we do is that it's better for a guilty person to not be in incarceration than it is for an innocent person to be incarcerated. Because then if an innocent person is incarcerated, then we have two crimes, right? Yeah. We have two people's lives that have been jeopardized. But that was a hard pill to swallow. It kind of reminded me of some of my feelings around Casey Anthony. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, they also, blew that one. I mean, that evidence. was to me, I mean... And I don't, I don't yeah. say this about many cases yeah. or anything. That was all uh, yeah. stubborn ego stuff that got in the way. They were so hellbent on sticking with exactly what Ryan told them four yeah. years ago and saying, that's how it happened. And not asking the obvious questions of like, are you yeah. sure? Like, yeah. ask him about that again, because that doesn't even make any sense. I mean, maybe he did it, but he didn't do it like that. And they just, yes. they ran with it and then... They were proven wrong in court, and they're yeah. mad at me about it. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, like, I don't know what to tell <laughs> you. Fault? I mean, I'm disappointed in you. You know, you can be mad at me, but what did I do? All I did was say the obvious. How did you get the blame for that? Wait, wait, what What specifically was the complaint that it was your fault? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a whole bunch of little things. I mean, they were trying to keep me out of the courtroom and... Uh, just yeah, I I was like unnecessarily uh, at the center of a lot of this case in in their in their case, which made no sense. And it was really just like I took it as they wanted to to solve this on their own and do and you know keep me out of there. And I, I'd never seen a room full of adult people with badges acting like we're little kids on the playground uh like with with the way that they're looking and talking to me in the courtroom just like wow like you guys really yeah. are like mad or something like why yeah. like uh, what <laughs> that's interesting i didn't realize that you experienced that kind of Backlash and I feel like it's probably your... unique to this particular situation. I don't take offense to it. Um, it's just a, some good old boy stuff. And, you know, I, I've heard from other people, even within the same agencies, who are like, hey, we don't all feel that way. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, I get it. But I think that in this instance, it was the detriment to the case. And yeah. it was, you guys were too stubborn. You wanted to say it happened this way. And you literally just didn't do the work. For four years, you didn't investigate this any further, and the defense proved you wrong. He had a fantastic defense. Yeah. He had a fantastic defense. That lawyer knows how to play the fiddle. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, she, mean, she she put up. Yeah, I mean, she can she convinced the jury that yeah, that's not what happened, right? Well, yeah. it's not only I mean, that acquitted she... for murder and then mm-hmm. charged with what concealing death or something. No, he tampered with the body and um, it was several. It was like a he disposed, like he helped destroy her. Well, yeah, the yes. fire. Yeah. And this is one of those examples too, where I'm like, you know, I always kind of thought like, or I was hoping that in the back of my head. Maybe they have something else that, like, they just never put out there, right? Nope. They had nothing. And I'm like, wow, what a fail. Yeah. This is, it kind of, to me, just cemented my thoughts on that, where I'm like, this is, you blew it. <laughs> and I don't know what yeah. to say. And I, if you had done it differently, then I don't think we would be here right now. And, like, that's, you know, it's really justice for Tara's family, right? It's like... If Ryan was the guy who did it, they just didn't do a good enough job proving that. Yeah. I can speak to the frustration of, and I think I even discussed this in an earlier episode, of we know what happened. It's clear what happened, but the burden is on us to prove that. For right. example, Payne, I'll just go ahead and tell you a story since it's not so long um, mm-hmm. that I've, I'll have i be regurgitating from another episode, but... Basically, a woman brings an elderly gentleman into the emergency room. He ends up passing away. He was a homeless man that sometimes stayed with her. They had sex. He would get drunk and get hit by cars like a lot. Like he had a lot of residual injuries that show that this was kind of what he does. So she said that he came to her house all messed up. She took him to the hospital. He passed away from the rapid deceleration trauma. Well... As I'm taking pictures of him, I'm starting to notice crescent-shaped pattern injuries because, as you may or may not know, bruising materializes through time. It does not appear immediately. As hours go by, we start to see these things come Mm -hmm. more and more enhanced. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that's weird. That doesn't look like a car. He gets this huge bruise across his chest underneath his pectoral muscles that Mm -hmm. is spanning the width of his chest and somewhat even wrapping around his trunk. Bruising starts to show up in his eyes, his nose, his mouth, down his neck. Petechia or no? No, no petechia. Uh, Petechial hemorrhaging, for those who don't know, is if the body is under an insurmountable amount of stress, typically from asphyxiation, you'll start to see red pinpoint markings in the eyes. But this can also come from having bronchitis and coughing a lot. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) Broken blood vessels. I know. Broken blood vessels in the eyes. So... We start to gather more information, and he wore adult diapers and at times would make messes in her home, and that would cause her to be really mad. So her roommate reports hearing them fight over this, and what we deduced happened was he messed the house. Mm -hmm. She straddled him and took his cane or his walker and beat him to death with it. Sure. Okay. What can I do with this? Let me tell you the problem. She says he always gets hit by cars. Multiple people support this. He always gets into fights with patrons at the bar that he attends. Multiple people support this. What's going to happen if I find her DNA on them, on him? What does that matter? Nothing. Right, because they have sex regularly and Mm -hmm. he stays in her home. What does it matter if I find her fingerprints on the walker and his DNA on the foot of the walker? What does it matter? doesn't. 
Do you know how annoying that is? I know she killed his ass. Mm-hmm. I could tell by her smirk. I could tell by her interview. I could yeah. tell by his injuries. I could, like, I even casted every end of this walker and perfectly matched it up to his body defects. I was able to, like, you're, we're not allowed to use the word match, actually, in forensics. I don't know if you know this. We are only allowed to use terms, like, consistent with. Okay. Yeah, because we are never allowed to say within scientific certainty in crime scene investigation. Yeah, a hundred percent match. We are not allowed to make definitive statements to the point of saying suspected blood stain, suspected bullet defect. Like it could be ninety nine point nine 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 percent. We are not allowed to articulate that in scientific terms. Basically, it's yeah. it's unethical and it's not our. That is not our nuanced area of expertise. So we are expected to have a holistic understanding of forensic science. But there are particular biologists that do DNA analysis and fingerprint analysis and pattern things. But even they will never say 100%. So I can literally tell the exact story of what happened. We even went to the home. I saw the mess from him. Defecating. Yeah. Thank you, Shelly. Or or urinating as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see the story and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's horrible. But isn't that frustrating? And to his family, maybe, well, what are you doing about this? What can I do else? I have all the evidence. I have the DNA. I have the prints. I have the pattern injury. I can do nothing. Mm -hmm. So I just like to open up that perspective sometimes because it's not, people think we don't care. It still annoys me. This case was over five years ago. Mm -hmm. I am still annoyed. I know she yeah. killed his ass. Yeah, that's that sucks. I mean, and like, and yeah, what what can you do? I mean, you nothing, nothing. You did everything that you could do, and it wasn't. And enough, I found right? it. And we don't even always even find it. Right. Yeah. 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 Without it, without Still a confession. Without, without a, and even yeah. without a confession, exactly. And confessions don't always stick, as we know. And Correct. that was the problem with to me with Tara's case is that you know they they had a confession. They had this yeah. guy in the room confessing to them and they just took it word for word like mm-hmm yeah thank you and yeah then what 2017 was the confession and not right? saying okay so you went here and did this like he's already here talking to you man yeah make it make sense because that doesn't make sense like yeah maybe he well, did it but he's he's not telling you how it really happened yeah and they just i think they were so ready to close this thing and I, I just think that yeah. they they blew it there i'm not saying i would have done it any differently but definitely in hindsight i i said i would say that and at the height well, of t- the podcast i would have definitely challenged it yeah so Payne, let's talk about the spectrum of talent mm-hmm. you obviously had a way of communicating mm-hmm. these things that connected with people which is why your podcast like blew up right mm-hmm there are other people that maybe have just as much investigative talent as you, but their podcasts like suck mm-hmm. because they aren't as charismatic or appealing or able to communicate the information as well, right? Like, sure, let's just yeah. make that global statement. Yeah. People connected with your ability to storytell. Totally. On top yeah, of it, your ability. Uh, that's why it's, you know, I'm not the best investigator of anything. I can't even find my wallet right now. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, well, you know, I, I'm just good with talking to people. And I'm a storyteller first in my brain, right? But it's all wrapped into this uh, investigation that I'm putting myself into. It's totally bizarre and weird and probably not healthy. But 
yeah, it's like, to me, I'm like, I can make the biggest impact if I can connect with the most people with this story, which comes down to the story being really good and understandable and where you say it, you feel a connection to the victim. And that can generate enough interest to hopefully open up those pockets of of something to, to come out, right? So what I'm trying to get at is this could maybe be taught, but there is something intrinsic within you that people connected to. I have watched hundreds, possibly thousands of interviews and interrogations. Mm-hmm. There are people that just have it. And totally. they've all had the same training and they just have it. Totally. So I don't yeah. want to disagree with your statement that they blew it. I just want to acknowledge that there are people that are way more talented at this oh, and yeah. it comes from within. The mine hunters, so, the real ones. Yeah, totally. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah like, it's, a, it's an art form. It's a skill. And like, you know. It's... So I think there has to be a separation between what's negligence and what's just, you just didn't have it. He just didn't to- have it. And and I, I really put it on that. I don't put yeah, it. Yeah, he just didn't have it. I'm I'm only criticizing it because I'm you looking should. at it from the lens of what I would have done. I'm not saying that you oh. would have done that. You, yeah. If you would, you, you should have, but maybe that's not how you were thinking about it at the time. Well, I think yeah. that what you're calling attention to is that we all need to be humble about our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best at some aspects of CSI. However, I will rock your socks off with crime scene sketching, with buried body surface skeleton recovery, with Mm -hmm. death investigation holistically. I'm not the best latent print developer. Right. I'm not bad. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But that I'm I'm definitely not bad. And but I have the humility to ask for help when it's not going well of people that are better than me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I kind of wanted to call out is this guy Maybe that's not his niche area, but the humility needs to be a part of science when we are investigating people's death. Yes. Or disappearance, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. And now and I've people spouted make off mistakes, the mouth you know, like a lot. And, but like they're meant to be learned from. <laughs> you know, and it sucks because, you know, you don't know the inside of someone and you don't know how thorough they were. And were they going through something personally themselves where they didn't really focus on this? Or did they have a bunch of other cases and they thought this wasn't going to be a big case? You know, I mean, we, we deal with that all the time in our office, you know, it's like, this isn't going to be a big case, you know? And so you're thinking to yourself, you know, ethically, I need to just devote as much time and effort as I, you know, as I do to any case, because it doesn't matter if it's a big case or not. You know, other people are like, oh, it's not that big. Don't worry about doing this or don't worry about doing that. You know, it's just going to go away. And those are the cases that, you know, five, seven, eight years later, you're in court going, should have done that. Should have done that. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now you're screwed. And you every know. case, every time is our motto in the forensics. Every yes. case, every time. And, and what does that mean my, exactly? That's exactly what I do. Every case, every time. Doesn't matter how big, small, or anything. Yeah. It all matters. Hashtag every oh, case, see. every just time. Every case is is a case, just like the last one's a case and this one's a case every yeah. time, right? Okay. I think this is a great wrap up, but like, let's just create this hashtag right now. Every case, every time. It's that like our special pain episode sure. hashtag. Yeah. Every like case, that. every time. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can use it now too. It's now part of, it's yours yeah, my, as well. My next podcast is coming out uh, every case, every time. <laughs> every case every time hey listen Hopefully, sharing is could, caring um we could <laughs> with the um you know your next your next podcast you know i mean we'd love to uh maybe fill some spots if you want us it. to hang out with you do you guys have the bandwidth <laughs> yes 
Okay. Yes. You made your bandwidth available to us, and That's sharing true. is caring. That is yeah. true. Well, listen, I really appreciate, again, you, t- you allocating some of your bandwidth to us, especially since you yes. have things coming out. And, Very excited um, about them. Yeah, and then I guess for the rest of our audience, we hope that you enjoyed your interview with Payne. You can find us on social media at Crime Scene Queens. And if you have something that you'd like to let us know about, the email address is hello at crimescenequeens.com. And um, in the meantime, uh, do your local CSI a favor. Shelly, you want to finish it up? And if you're going to die, please die. Yeah, just do it interesting. Crime Scene Queens is a Q-Code Media production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Nate DeFort. And theme song and music by Darren Johnson. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.